Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, things look different behind you. Uh, yeah, they sure do. They feel different behind me. Uh, you have noticed, congratulations, uh, that yes, I'm in a new apartment. So uh, still getting things moved right now. As you can see, the background behind me a lot uh, more clear than usual. Uh, no ECH banner yet, uh, you know, no framed photos yet, but there's going to be a cool background behind me at some point once I get everything set up. Uh, you might notice also during the course of the podcast, my water that I always have with me is in a red solo cup because we're still moving a lot of the dishes and such um but yes this is the first one from the new place all right rj with your water and your red solo cup uh the real question <laughs> is with the new place how close is it to queen Anne beer hall the lovely sponsor of this podcast because that's really the the big question when you move in seattle is is your new proximity to the beer hall yes so it is further from the queen Anne beer hall. Ooh, it's actually in lake forest ooh. park uh so it is further but but the beer hall, you know, there, there's talk of maybe a second location opening up a little bit closer to where mm -hmm. I am now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, mm -hmm. so stay tuned for that. Um, but yes, so uh, it's a little further from the location we know and love, but uh, might be able to make it out to the beer hall plenty of times this season. I was going to say, look at RJ planning ahead, moving in it because based around future beer hall locations look at this it's the one time i plan ahead for anything in my <laughs> life you know this dylan i was just gonna say like that is so on rj like for those of you who don't know him personally <laughs> um all right so we got an exciting one today is the last of our august way too early podcast we're going to be doing our division preview for the pacific division figure out you know we're going to talk about all the other teams besides the kraken uh talk about the moves they made in the offseason what we think about them going into the season and then at the end we will give uh our predictions for what the final standings for the pacific division will be um before that we'll have our brief news and notes because it is august there's not many news and notes but first rj is a cold open I was, uh, as you were set, finishing setting things up there in the new apartment to get going, I was on Hockey Reference because we're going to be using that later when talking about these other teams. And they have their Immaculate Grid, which is like Puck Doku, all right, kind of like that. And you know, I don't really play these things. Like, this is actually the first time I've ever done it. But I went ahead and I clicked on it because I was waiting on you anyway. And uh, the Kraken were one of the teams on this grid here. So uh, on the top of the grid, we had Dallas, L.A., and Seattle. And then on the side of the grid, we had Washington, San Jose, and Pittsburgh. So I was like, okay, this grid seems pretty set up for, for us to do, RJ. Uh, I filled in eight of the nine spots just to save time for the cold open here because we're going to have a pretty full podcast. Um, care to guess the three people I picked for the Kraken, for, for the Capitals, Sharks, and Penguins, RJ? All right, let's go. Uh, Kraken Caps, I'm guessing you went Daniel Sprong. I did, along with 17%. All right, well, Dennis Chalowski might be a better one. Yeah, I, um, I figured. It's probably more unique. Uh, Kraken Sharks. Um, I mean, there's some options there. I mean, maybe Jonas Donskoy. I mean, he, he did just retire. Is that who you went with? That is who I went with because of the news. We'll get to that in the news and notes segment. 41% Donskoy. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been in the news quite a bit recently. Yes. <laughs> Martin Jones probably occupying most of the other guesses. I would assume so, yes. And then for the Penguins, because this is where things got interesting, and I probably should have done something different, but I, I did do something interesting there. 
Well, there's so many options, right? There is. Uh, the obvious ones, you know, still the two, Jared McCann, uh, Jamie Alexiak, Brandon yeah. Tanev. My off-the-board pick, where I'm thinking maybe not many people guessed it, is uh, Derek Pouliot. Okay. Is that, that where you went? I, that is not where I went. That would have been fantastic, actually. I It's still too early for me, and I'm not used to doing these. So I went McCann, and then I did Alexiak for the Dallas Penguins one. But yes, I I thought of many other stars and penguins after the fact. Like I should have done the Kraken last, but instead I started mm-hmm. there, and that was a mistake. Um, Forty one percent for McCann there. Uh, for uh, for Kings and Penguins did of course the piece Rob Scuderi along with only five percent of people, which is criminal. Rob Scuderi, great player. <laughs> uh, Alexiak for the Penguins stars thirteen percent. Anting the Emmy for stars Sharks, R J with five yep. percent i thought that was a nice pull that's pretty good i was that you're this is like embarrassing but i really was struggling with the sharks kings i just went rob blake <laughs> i don't know why i just really struggling with the kings today 20 Setaguchi would it would be the one that i always think of to try and you know gain yeah. the thing and not have it i would have gone todd mcclellan but i don't think that would have <laughs> counted and then Didn't exactly play capitals stars brayton holby um, but the one I haven't done, cause I'm just totally spacing RJ. So here you are. You can help me complete my first grid here. Capitals Kings. What, why, why can't I think of anybody <laughs> on these dudes? Um, my first thought is Nick Dowd. Is that, that your, fi- is that your final answer? Sure. That's my final answer. I know he played for both teams. I was just trying to think of a better one. We did it. <laughs> Hooray! There we go. Yay! Four percent, Nick Dowd. Congratulations. Yeah, that was the Nick lowest. Dowd from Huntsville, Alabama. Was, there you go. Even more, even more stuff there. So there we go. I've officially done one of those grid things with minimal help. <laughs> there you go. Congrats, Dylan. I'm sure you'll get the whole thing by yourself next time. Yeah. All right. So now moving into the heart of the podcast here. Got news and notes, and uh, there was a big piece of Kraken news this week. Uh, you mentioned it already, and that is, of course, the retirement of one Unistonskoy. That's right. And it's, you know, it's kind of a, a sad story, of course. Now, this comes as no surprise to anyone who's been around the team, you know, covering the Kraken or, or, or really falling over the last year. Uh, Jonas Donskoy suffered multiple concussions, uh, missed all of last season with concussion, suffered in the preseason. And it's, you know, one of many in his career. And he ended up making the decision announced via his Instagram yesterday that he's going to retire from playing professional hockey. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that it had to come to this, you know, concussions are just a very difficult issue in the game. I think he probably made the smart decision, realizing what was best for for him and his family at this time. You you don't want to risk having another head injury like that. But I I do want to say Jonas Donskoy, even though he he played in the Kraken's inaugural season, missed all of last season, he and his family were so active off the Mm -hmm. ice and in the community for the crack. And even this season, when he didn't play a single regular season game, um, he and his wife, Devin, were organizing a lot of the team activities behind the scenes uh, and just very, very active in the community and and definitely made their presence felt, even though uh, Jonas wasn't able to make his presence felt on the ice this year. So uh, he's definitely going to be missed around the crack. And and I don't don't know what his next chapter is, what he's going to do next. 
I would hope he would maybe stay in the area and, and um, you know, and continue to organize things with the team. I feel like there must be some kind of job for him and, and his wife if they want it yes. uh, with the crack. And of course, neither of them are, are from the Seattle area. Uh, Jonas, of course, being from Finland and, and his wife being from the Bay Area. So um, we'll see what he ends up uh, doing next. But uh, just want to wish Jonas Donskoy the absolute best in retirement. Uh, just mm-hmm. absolute class act on and off the ice. Definitely. And, you know, it's it's one of those things with any player, right? You want to see them kind of go out on their own terms. Um, but the reality is that that can't always happen. And unfortunately, that's not what happened here. Um, as, you know, the concussions and injuries kind of pushed him towards having to make this decision for himself and his young family. But um, the bottom line is he was he was a he had a fantastic career. A lot of highlights, fantastic moments, memorable moments for for NHL fans from the last decade or so, right? And um, and the big thing for us up in Seattle, right? He's forever going to be a part of Kraken history and lore, and that's always going to be really really special. So yes, definitely uh, wishing him and and his family the best in retirement, and and we will see if uh, ends up doing any sort of work with the Seattle Kraken moving forward. It would be really really cool for for everybody, I think. Um, all right. So now to, to get into the meat of this podcast, RJ, cause it's going to, you know, there's a, there's a lot to get into here. We're doing our Pacific division preview for the 2023, 2024 season. We're going to be going reverse order of standings, talk about all these teams. And then at the end, we will give our rankings for what we, you know, predict the final standings at the end of the upcoming season will be starting at the bottom of last year, though, RJ starts us off with the Anaheim ducks. All right. This is a team that was bad, um, and it's a team, RJ, that as I look at them, you know, they're a young team. They've got some great young players on it, but I don't see how they're not going to be bad again. Right. I, I, I don't think – I think they'll improve a little bit, but uh, just not a whole lot. Certainly not enough to be in the playoff conversation. I mean – they they did make some ads over the off season, um, you know, most notably Alex Kalor yeah, at, at a ridiculous contract. Um, but I, I don't think that's going to be enough to push them over the top. You, you do have guys like Trevor Zegers, Mason McTavish, a year older, and and they're hoping certainly for some progression. But um, yeah, this this they're not going to be sniffing the playoffs. No, uh, you know, Zegers led the team in scoring with sixty five points last year. You know, he can he can basically achieve that about every year. Troy Terry regressed in goal scoring a little bit. Um, he, obviously, he was extended. Uh, Mason McTavish is only going to get better after his first full season in the NHL last year. 43 points in 80 games. I fully expect him to, to do better than that uh, this upcoming season, you know, potentially even as their number one center. Um, I think Jamie Drysdale, if he can stay healthy, will take some leaps on the blue line, and that's going to be good for them long term. And then we'll see if Leo Carlson, the, their um, pick from this year's draft, if he's going to make the roster and hang around um, for any amount of significant time this season or if they're if they're going to let him go back to, to Sweden or wherever he ends up. Um, I think that's going to be really, really interesting to see. But the bottom line is, yeah, when your big addition is an overpaid Alex Kalorn uh, and your team was this bad, I don't really see where they're supposed to go. Radko Gudis is—he's not going to solve the problems on the blue line, obviously. Like, you know, he'll add some toughness. Okay, that's not really what the team needed. They needed talent. That's—that's uh, that's a little different. So um, we'll see. And then we'll also see. I think the big question is going to be: They didn't trade John Gibson over this off season. I've already gone on the record. I think it'll happen during the season that John Gibson gets moved. I still hold by that. And let's be real. I know he hasn't been the same goaltender as he was in years past lately. 
I still think losing him will will hurt them down the stretch too if they do trade him. Interesting. I don't think it'll have much of an impact. I think this is just generally how goaltending works. Where and, and Gibson hasn't been playing that well for the Ducks anyway. I think you can make a good argument that with some added motivation on a new team, he might get back closer to his former yes. self. But I don't know how much that's going to impact the Ducks anyway. I just don't think he's ever going to get back to that goalie that he was with them. So it probably. Oh yeah, I'm not saying much. that, yeah. but I'm saying their okay. other options are even worse than gibson an unmotivated gibson right like look at look, look at what the goaltending they got last no, I, year fair enough fair <laughs> enough you look at the other options yeah there's there's nobody else there who's you know kind of an obvious workhorse it's going to be more of a a tandem type situation and, and nobody inspiring a ton of confidence there but uh, dylan my question for you though when we look back at the pacific division preview and really the, the kraken part of the preview last se season yeah we look they had just finished third to last in the league yeah, we had no indications of them being a playoff team. We figured they're a young team and we thought they would take a step forward just by virtue of having another year and have a season that even if they didn't really make the playoffs, they announced, OK, we're here. We're not a pushover anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, watch out for us next season because we're on the right track. Right. Do you see the Ducks having that kind of a season or, or do you expect them to just fall out flat on their face like they did this past season? Um, I think they, they should be a little bit better than they were last season just because, you know, like like we said already, right? It's another year for all of their young players, right? Jamie Drysdale should take a step forward. Uh, Mason McTavish, definitely I expect him to take a step forward. And, you know, McTavish, I mean, his, his ultimate ceiling is certainly at least a point-per-game player, if not better. So if he approaches that this year, that is definitely going to help this team. I still don't think, though, that they have the depth that, say, the Kraken did last year that was allowing them to take the step all the way up to a playoff team. I don't think that they have that. I certainly don't think they have the blue line depth that, say, the Kraken had. And, and I don't know about the goaltending either. Um, so I, I really I, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they will be a better team. I think they're going to be in closer games than they were last year. I don't think they're going to get blown out uh, the way they did all of last year. But I still I, I don't see this team really progressing that much. Not yet anyway. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I, I, I think it won't be quite the knocking on the door season, but I just can't imagine they'll be as bad as they were last no. year. I mean, they were just so horrifically that bad. That would be hard to do, actually. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it would yeah. be. Uh, and, you know, what's kind of crazy is like they had good seasons from a couple guys on this roster too. Adam Henrique with 22 goals in 62 games. Like that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, Vitrano, 22 goals in 81 games. Like they had some some depth there. It's really they just need to figure out their top six, get their top six playing like a top six and then just have a defense that isn't, you know, completely lost all the time. Uh, relying on Cam Fowler to play 40 minutes a night because he's kind of the only guy you can lean on at all. Um, and then, you know, maybe try to f work on finding that next goaltender for, for the organization. Uh, it's it's something that they need to need to work on. So I think they're going to be a more entertaining team. Obviously, any team with Trevor Zegras is going to be entertaining. But I think as McTavish comes into his own, Drysdale comes into their own, those are entertaining players. Troy Terry is an entertaining player. Um I think I think they're going to be a fun, a, a more fun team to watch, but I still just don't think they're going to be good. Yeah, and I, I think a little bit tougher to play against with Greg Cronin yes. coming in and having a new head coach. Yep, um, the guys are all going to want to play for him. That that first There's, year new head coach effect. 
and he should bring in some structure, right? And that was part of their problem last year was it didn't seem like on the ice they had a lot of structure. There wasn't a lot of cohesion between all the moving pieces. Their power play is, I would say, one of the few that looked worse than the Kraken's power play. And it was mostly just because it looked like nobody knew what they were supposed to be doing out there. And I got to think that new coaching staff, that's not going to be the case this upcoming season. Yeah, probably not. I mean, something had to change with that yes. as well. You know Cronin's going to bring in some structure, much, much needed structure. Um, so, I mean, who knows? I mean, they might give the, the Kraken a run for their money in some of these games. Um, but uh, overall, not too much a threat in the standings. Yep. All right. It, I mean, look, there's there's not too, too much to talk about with the Ducks. We, we mentioned all their big names. They're, they're young players. They're fun to watch players. But I, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about with the Ducks? Uh, not really. I mean, the, the one thing, if we want to just pick a quick X factor yes, player for each that. one of these yeah. teams that, you know, we think will make a, a difference somewhere. Yep. Do you have anyone in mind for the ducks? I, I mean, is it, is it cheating to say Mason McTavish, right? Like, is it, is it crazy <laughs> to go like, Hey, this no, guy, no, you go with whoever you want. Uh, you know, he had the 43 points last year. Um, I just think he's going to get more ice time this year. I think they're going to slowly start working him towards being that future 1C for this organization. It's it's kind of what he's destined for. I think this year we might see some of him playing with Troy Terry, um, even potentially with Zegris, maybe even on the other side on the wing. And they just kind of try to create like a little super line and get things going. But I think I think Mason McTavish is going to get you know closer to 20 minutes a night instead of 15 that he got last year. I think he's going to get more time on the power play. I think that's going to help him out a lot, help him build some confidence. And I think Mason McTavish is going to have a season where he's going to be at you know 65 to 80 points, um, just because he is that good. He's got a year of experience under his belt, and he should play with some better guys in a in a more structured offense. And I, and so. Uh, Mason McTavish is kind of that guy for me. I just think he's he's going to kind of explode onto the scene and really make a name for himself. All right, good choice. I'm going to go with uh, another high draft pick recently, uh, Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, love uh, it. Missed a lot of last season, only played eight games. And you talked about Cam Fowler. He needed to play 40 minutes or so, uh, you know, just to keep them in at some games. And uh, they're going to need some reinforcements on the blue line. Radko Gudis, uh, you know, he'll munch minutes, but they're going to need somebody else who can move the puck. Uh, and really long-term too, uh, Jamie Drysdale has, is going to have to be the guy. And he's mm-hmm. going to have to bounce back this season. So uh, I think they're blue line it's it's going to go as jamie drysdale goes if he can bounce back and, and just provide some secondary scoring puck moving all of that yeah it's going to be interesting because last year in those eight games no points for him only eight shots like it it he wasn't looking like himself already and then the significant injury happens it's going to be interesting but yeah i, I think they're going to be able to kind of figure things out i'm really interested to see what kind of their middle six does you know, Henrik of Toronto, they, they repeat things. Does Ryan Strom figure it out here at Anaheim, RJ? Uh, maybe. No. He, he, he <laughs> potentially could, you know? Yeah, maybe. Can you uh, get yourself traded somewhere else? Yeah, that's that might be what, what some of these guys end up having to play for. Um, all right, so moving on to the next team, RJ, San Jose Sharks. Uh, another team... <laughs> You know, they they struggled as a team last year pretty mightily, 
Uh, only 22 wins, 16 OTL losses, though, RJ. That's a lot of Gary Bettman loser points for the Sharks last year. Um, they had a real thing for losing in overtime. They really I mean, they, did. They just had a knack for it. You knew every time it was going to OT, they were going to find a way to lose. It was actually kind of entertaining to watch. It was. Uh, now, the real question for them is, that, you know, they ended up trading Timo Meyer. You know, that was something that was long talked about. They, they end up moving him at the deadline last season. But ultimately, the big question for the Sharks is, they were a bad team last year. How much worse are they going to be after losing Eric Carlson, who had 101 points as a defenseman, and he is now a Pittsburgh Penguin? Uh, because that's, I mean, that's really the, the question with this team, right? Right, and I, I think the answer is significantly worse. I mean, you look at their, uh, just the, the team goal differential with Carlson on the ice versus without him on the ice. Um, it, it's the difference is startling really when you look at it uh, and with Eric Carlson gone, I mean, he just, a lot of their offense ran through him. You look at their blue line and there's just basically nobody left. Um, I, I think it's going to make a big difference. I just, you look at where is the offense going to come from on this team and th there's no clear answer at all. Um, yeah. Car Carlson was the only thing I think last season that kept them from being in last place. Now I don't see anything on this roster that, that should keep them from being right around last place in the NHL. And you know what? That's probably good for them. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably where they want to be. I think the big the big thing for them was really moving the Carlson contract without having to retain too much, right? Like, that was the big win. Um, and, and I think that that helps them set them up a little bit better for a rebuild. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're probably not wanting to be too good this upcoming season anyway. Uh, you look at, you know, kind of, really the the piece that kind of came in for Carlson Cal Granlund he's not gonna help this team RJ <laughs> I don't know what he's supposed to do for this team to be perfectly honest you know uh, it, it was it was a cap dump I mean you look at yeah Granlund and then and then Mike Hoffman coming yes. back in that trade as yep. well um you know those two guys they're probably just hoping to get some turnaround so they can flip them at the deadline somehow um but yeah there, there's not a whole lot of talent coming back there no. So it's, you know, I, I feel bad for, for Tomas Hurdle and Logan Couture because they're going to really have to carry this offense. Um, and, you know, I don't think they can carry it too far, uh, unfortunately. So it's going to be a long, long season for those guys, uh, especially Logan Couture, you know, as he's starting to enter the 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 final years, you would think of, of or the final arc chapter of his career uh to kind of be put in this in this spot where the team's going to be rebuilding um that's that's really rough for him i got to imagine uh it's rough on the outside looking in at it um yeah i don't know this team's going to be rough i what do you think of of some of their young players that they might start bringing in like a like a william eklund rj like do you think he's going to get significant time this year and do you think he'll be able to develop when he doesn't really have a lot to work with around him Right. And that's a tough question that the Sharks face is what to do with guys like William Eklund. Thomas Bordalo is another one, yeah. 21 years old, really should be playing in the NHL. Should. He's definitely good enough. Yep. Um, I know last season they kind of tried to keep some of those guys in the in the AHL just to keep them out of the mess that was that Sharks team. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to have some incentive to maybe do that again this year. But I think, again, Eklund at, at 20, Bordalo at 21, they should be playing NHL games through development. I think they will. Yeah, You have at least some talent with like a Tomas Hurdle and a Logan Couture you could pair them with um, and just try and keep them out of that bottom six because they really shouldn't be there. Uh, I, I think they'll make a little bit of an impact 
impact. Not really enough to do anything in the standings. Again, they, these are still young players. They're still going to be rookies. They've still got to make their rookie mistakes. And, and on a team that I feel like is going to make a lot of mistakes uh, this season. So, you know, it'll be kind of a, a trial by fire there. But um, I, I think they'll maybe make a minor impact. That's really what this season is all about for the Sharks. It's just making sure those future cornerstones st- of the franchise are developing properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's just going to be a big part of the mission. I guess the other big part, too, is just having certain players that maybe you hope can raise their value by getting more ice time, uh, you know, whether it's a Hoffman or Granlund where you hope to flip them right away or uh, maybe. Well, I'll, I'll talk about him when we when we get to the uh, X Factor section. But there's one more forward that I really want to see how he does on the Sharks. I think it might be the same guy that I have in mind for their X factor. Should we, should we go ahead and move Mm. to that right now? I mean, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Dylan. Why is Anthony Duclair the X factor? I mean, he's, he's of course the X factor for this team. I love this signing. I think it's a really interesting one. Yes. The one year term certainly points towards him being a a deadline, you know, uh, rental for somebody to go out and, and pick up. But the bottom line is this is a guy who is one season removed from a 31 goal campaign in only 74 games right Anthony Duclair he had a bit of a journeyman career right starts off with the Rangers Arizona he's got Chicago Columbus Ottawa Florida finally he's able to find some stability in Florida grow into a really well-rounded player a really tough player to play against uh he's just kind of one of those pesky guys can get in on a four check dig out a puck take it to the net right Uh, and then obviously score goals with the 31 goal season that he had two years ago um so I think when you give him ice time, you give him opportunity. He has always produced wherever wherever he's been, he's produced. And I think with this Sharks team, he's going to have opportunity. He's going to be able to play alongside a Couture or a Tomas Hurdle in a top six role, uh, getting substantial ice time. He's going to put up good numbers because he's a good player. And then for the Sharks, the most valuable asset of that isn't that he's necessarily going to help you win games. It's that come you know February, March... He's going to look fantastic. His stats are going to look fantastic. You can flip him, and the question becomes, do you think he can play good enough, RJ, to maybe start getting close towards a first-round pick in return? Possibly. I mean, trade deadline prices are always really inflated, so there's always a chance. I mean, hey, if he's on pace for around that 30-goal season like he had uh, a couple of seasons ago, you know, nothing's impossible. Uh, so we'll see what Mike Greer is able to do. But I, I do like little acquisitions like that, like a like a Duclair who's going to get that opportunity. Uh, Philip Sedina is another yeah. one uh, we, with Detroit letting him go, a former high draft pick and and possibly getting to play with, uh, you know, fellow Czech Tomas Hurdle. Mm-hmm. I think that they could have some chemistry there. So, you know, little things like that. They're trying to take little victories away from this season, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the way it's going to be. But the bottom line is, it's kind of similar to Anaheim, like like we talked about it. We there's some there's some stuff to like at forward. The bottom line though is this blue line is not good, and um, I I you know goaltending is going to be a big question mark as well for them. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, goaltending goaltending is just <laughs> is just funny. Look at this. Kapo Kakinen was was quite bad for them last season, and and he'll probably still be around this season. And Mackenzie Blackwood yeah. uh, has had a rough go of it recently. I mean, just the goaltending inspires zero confidence. But you know what? That's the good thing about goaltending is uh, it's basically random. So who knows? Both those guys might be amazing. Yeah, it's entirely possible, um, though not probable. Uh, all right, so that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the San Jose Sharks there. Uh, next up on our list, uh, as we go reverse order of standings from last season, is the Vancouver Canucks, RJ. 
All right, so it'll be the first full season with Rick Tockett behind the bench. Or I guess I shouldn't get ahead of myself. Maybe it won't be a full season, but presumably it'll be a full <laughs> season with Rick Tockett behind the bench, RJ. Um, you know, look, he came in, uh, you know, midway, a little bit later through last season. And, uh, you know, the, the club played pretty good for him. 20-12-4 and four was the record under Tockett last season for the Vancouver Canucks. The question is, can they keep that going? Um, you know, is, is Pedersen truly back after that 102 point campaign, the 39 goals, you know, JT Miller, is he you know, going to keep doing what he's doing, all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Vancouver is a tough one for me, RJ, looking at this roster because there are certainly pieces, but then there's other aspects of it that you're still just like, are they going to keep giving Tyler Myers 21 minutes a night? Cause that doesn't seem like a good idea. Right. This Canucks team, they're one of the toughest to predict, I think, as far as when we, we project the actual standings, because um, they have a lot of good pieces. It just feels like the same old story for the Canucks. Yeah, they they had a really bad start to last season and they got hot toward the end, but nowhere near hot enough to, to sniff the playoffs. No, nope. but that, of course, convinced management that, no, we can't tear it down and do the rebuild that we've been needing to do for a long time. Uh, we can just turn right back around and, and try and contend right away, and we can make some moves that, uh, you know, that, that go toward that end. We can sign a Carson Soucy to a three-year deal, you know, add, try and bolster our blue line mm -hmm. here that, I mean, still just looks too weak to really contend, yeah. uh, you know, and, and players like a JT Miller, who there were talks about him being moved, you know, traded away, like those kind of Connor Garland. I mean, I think they were just looking at him to get rid of him as a cap dump, yeah. but he's still there. Uh, Brock Besser, another player that was definitely in trade conversations mm -hmm. uh, where the Canucks could have moved players out to try and get a little bit of cap flexibility and maybe try and rebuild or retool. But seems like they've elected not to do that. They're going for it again with the team that they have, maybe hoping that a, a new coach can be the answer. And, I mean, Dylan, like, is is their plan ever really the answer? Does this ever work? I guess they got to the second round one time, uh, and, and Thatcher Demko managed to get them to seven games by himself. But um, this just feels like more of the same from the Canucks. I, I think they'll do better than last season. I think they'll be around, probably around where the, like, Flames were or something, where they'll maybe be sniffing a playoff spot toward the end. But, I mean, Dylan, I've just seen this story too many times before. I, I'm right there with you, but I've also, I, I think, I don't know, there's, there is like a weird bit of me that thinks this could be the year that they maybe figure it out a little bit. Like, I, really? I don't know that they're going to be are, like, okay, are you great. a Rick Tockett believer? Do you like I'm the not, roster? I mean, what, it's, wh it's, why? It has nothing to do with Rick Tockett. It has everything to do with, I actually kind of like what they did to their blue line. Like this blue line looks mm, so I you much be better. Going there. It looks so much better than the blue line that they had last year, right? Like it's infinitely better. Uh, so you've got Quinn Hughes. He's going to do what he does. Tyler Myers is going to do what he does. You're just trying to wait out this final year of that contract. But I loved them going out and picking up Ronick. I think that was a fantastic uh, trade for them last season. They, they're going to need to figure out a long-term contract for him, but he is a really good defenseman. Carson Soucy, I think, you know, we've, we saw him last season in Seattle. We know what his limitations are, yes, but I also think that he could be a top four defenseman. You know, he can play on their second pairing and he will hold his own, provide some physicality. He can move the puck, especially if he's in a in a system that's going to to want him to move the puck maybe a little bit more or in a style that better suits him than what existed for the Kraken. I, I think that could work out for him. 
So I like what they did to the blue line. I think their top four, it looks so much better than it did last year. And I think that's going to help stabilize things. And look, if the defense in front of him is better, maybe Thatcher Demko plays better too. Cause that was part of their problem last year. And anybody who was around last off season knows I was constantly arguing with Vancouver Canucks fans week after week saying that Thatcher Demko, I just don't think he's an elite goaltender. Everybody trying to tell me he was wrong. Bottom line is he very much proved me right last year. He struggled mightily. Um, but, I, you know, it's not entirely his fault. His blue line was atrocious in front of him. I think he can bounce back some this year, uh, in part because of that blue line. And if he bounces back, the blue line plays better. They have enough forwards, RJ, to, to you know, win them games. Yeah, they do. And that's what we saw when the when they went to the second round, is if the blue line can just be good enough, or the goaltending can make up for that. We saw Thatcher yes. Demko kind of make up for a, a bad blue line. Uh, then they do have the offensive firepower that they can get something done. I, look, I I think the blue line is much improved. I think I think Philip Ronick, I, I, I love that addition to the blue line. I don't like how they did it. I still think it was a dumb trade for them. <laughs> uh, giving up the giving up the draft pick that would turn into Axel Sandin Pelica. Yeah. Who I know you're a big fan of and yeah. a second rounder. Yeah. Uh, to bring it was in a Ronick. lot. It I was just, too I, much. I think that was an unwise move. And and same thing also with the with the Oliver Ekman Larson buyout, which is absolutely brutal. They won't feel it this year on the on the cap but they'll certainly feel it the next few years um where it just again it feels like this other just shot in the arm to get them just trying to chase that eight seed uh while suffering in the future but i i guess looking at this team i i can't hate it i just i i also just don't think they'll be able to put it all together i think they'll just have some kind of drama or something that um that's you know, certainly where, possible. Where it'll fall apart. That is that is definitely possible for them. Real quick, I just want to kind of go through. Uh, Pedersen, he had the he had the you know basically forty goal hundred point season. Repeatable, yes or no? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think it is repeatable, especially uh, in a contract year. I agree. I agree. JT Miller, thirty goals and eighty points, repeatable. I don't think he will. No. Yeah, I don't think he will, but I think he'll be close, right? Like seventy-five points isn't going to be crazy for him. Yeah. Uh, Quinn Hughes going to be a point per game guy that he's proven that's repeatable. Uh, Andre Kuzmenko, 40, 40 goal season again, RJ repeatable. Oh man. I don't know that he gets to, I don't know that he gets to, to 39 Hold again. On. I was going to say, you know, I love the player. I love the player. It wouldn't surprise player. me. He just hangs out around the net oh. and you know what pucks find him. That kind of stuff is repeatable. Like those goals I, th that continues to happen the way he plays. When I tell you this next number, I'm going to then ask again, if you think it's repeatable 27.3, that was his shooting percentage last year. 27.3. Again, just for but people Dylan, listening Dylan, who don't know, look at how many like 12% is average. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I'm not saying he's going to shoot at that high percentage again. But Dylan, look at how many backdoor tap-ins. Just like watch his highlights. Look at how many tips, backdoor tap-ins, stuff like that he has. Uh -huh. those, I mean, the shooting percentage on those is near 100%. Uh, look, I don't yeah. think it's going to stay that high. But the way he plays, I mean, it's, he's he's a goal scorer. That's just that's he is. the type of player he is. He is. Um. And this is this is one spot where I think it might pick up. The last guy I'm going to kind of do this with is Brock Besser. 18 goals, 55 points. Repeatable, yes, it should be, because I think that's low for him. Or certainly the player that forever Vancouver's been telling us he is or expecting him to be, right? And so I do think it's one of those where if, if Kuzmenko does naturally regress a little because 27% shooting is just insane, um, I think Besser could be the guy who helps pick up some of that because the bottom line is Besser is talented enough to be a 25-goal guy, right? Like, that's not crazy for him. He's done it before. 
Yeah, no, it's certainly possible. And I, I think he's a guy who's maybe due for a little bit of positive regression there. Had a rough season last year. And um, I understand the Canucks not wanting to sell low on him. I, I think he is due for a bit of a bounce back. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. It, you know, blue line getting better, Demko playing better, all that stuff will help. What's this bottom six? Does it exist? Like, it's not. No, it's. It's, no, it, it's no. it's just not good enough. I mean, I, I like the Suter signing. You I know, do too. I like Niels Hoaglander, but it, it, yep. he should be in a kind of complimentary top six role. I don't know about him in the bottom six, but yeah, I mean, you, you like as like you know, yeah, Phil DiGiuseppe, Dakota Joshua. Yeah. I mean, what what do you do with that? Yeah, I don't know. So I think that's going to be the other thing that kind of holds them back over the course of the season. But the bottom line is, it's going to be an entertaining team, right? Like this feels like the Ducks in a couple of years, where. Is are they going to have all the pieces to be a true cup contender? Maybe not, but they're going to have some really, really good players, and it is going to be an entertaining team to watch one way or the other. Whether they're winning or losing, it's going to be exciting, right? Like that's what this Vancouver yeah. roster tells me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to watching them this season for sure. Yeah. All right, X Factor RJ for the Vancouver Canucks. Who is it? Uh, I mean, we talked about him a little bit earlier. My my original pick, I was going to go with Philip Ronick. Uh, is that okay. is that still okay? Yeah, go for All it. All right, yeah, because I just they're going to need a solid number two D behind Quinn Hughes. They they can't get anywhere without it. So I think Philip Ronick's going to be the X factor there. There is nobody else on this roster who can mm-hmm. do that job. No, there isn't. Um, I, I I'm split between like Kuzmenko because like if he he kind of needs to keep up that scoring if this team is going to go mm-hmm. anywhere but the bottom line is this team's not going anywhere if Thatcher Demko has another season the way he did last year right like this team needs Thatcher Demko to work he has been the guy we talked about it earlier with John Gibson and the Ducks right like he was able to to take them to some heights and then as he kind of fell off I know the rest of the roster did as well but you know it is one of those things um and the bottom line is Thatcher Demko needs to needs to be better than he was last season if this team's going to uh going to go anywhere so I I just think you know as cliche as it is RJ goaltender's the x-factor yeah, we got goaltenders always the X factor in some sense, but I I don't think you're you're too far off at this point. All right, uh, Calgary Flames, RJ. So Daryl Sutter, the guy who was supposed to fix everything and make him a Stanley Cup champion again, according to you, uh, he's gone because it was a disaster. He did nothing to fix this team. They made lots of questionable offseason moves last year. Lots of deals. They lost Johnny Hockey. They lost. Um, Matthew Kachuk in a trade that they, they sent him off. They brought in uh, Nazem Kadri. They brought in Jonathan Huberdeau as part of that uh, Kachuk trade. And the team was worse. Big surprise, right? Uh, the team was substantially worse. When Tyler Toffoli, I love Tyler Toffoli, but when Tyler Toffoli is the only sustainable offensive piece your team has, and the only guy you can count on, you're not going to win a lot of hockey games. <laughs> and that was the no. case for the Calgary Flames last year. That being said, they did do better standings-wise than I thought they would or that than I thought that they should have. Um, and that is a credit kind of to the depth that they have and, and you know, the coaching that they, they were receiving from Sutter. But he's gone now. And I don't think you can count on them having kind of a middle-of-the-division floor anymore just from the Daryl Sutter effect. Exactly. And they were right up in it until the very end for a playoff spot. I mean, they were competing with the yeah. Winnipeg Jets right till the very end of the season. And at the end of the day, just watching those games, because the, the Kraken were kind of in that race as well and looking for when they would clinch. So I watched a lot of those games. It just looked like a team that that was 
that did not want to save their coach's job by making the playoffs <laughs> no. that really did not want that um and, and so it was kind of clear there that they had the talent they just the play was so inconsistent and given all the stuff that's come out about Sutter recently like you can kind of see why that inconsistency yeah. might have existed and so the flames are a big question mark here because on paper they have enough talent to be a playoff team yep uh but how much I, the biggest question for me is how much was Daryl Sutter the problem by himself? Because I, I think you look at this roster on paper, they have the talent to be a playoff team, mm -hmm. but they also have some potential holes there or guys yeah. that, you know, might not be as good as they once were. You know, you have big names that, uh, that are maybe on the wrong side of 30 and should be regressing at some point. How much was that? How much was Sutter? I, I don't really know what exactly to expect from this team. I think we'll find out in the first 15 games or so, but mm -hmm. predicting it right now is really difficult. Yeah, well, and, and there's all that. And then also the one offensive piece they could count on last year that I mentioned, Tyler Toffoli, he's gone. <laughs> so yep. that's that's And, and, and other guys might be too. Look, the Flames, they have some decisions. If you take a step yes. back you know, from the team on the ice and look at the roster management perspective, this team could look very different. By the end of the season, you have guys on expiring deals, pending UFAs like Elias Lindholm, Michael yeah. Backlund, uh, most of the blue line, almost all of them, yes. Tanev, Zadorov, like, you know, their, their new GM, um, you know, Craig Conroy has a lot of decisions to make here mm -hmm. as far as what he's going to do um, with, with this roster. And does it even stay intact? I think maybe some people expected some of these names to be moved during the offseason. Toffoli was really the only big one to go. But with that much uncertainty, I, I don't even know what this team's going to look like by the end of the season. I, I don't either. I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to Lindholm and Hannafin. And, you know, they're, they're going to let them play the beginning of the season here in Calgary, right? You're going to try to sell them on the culture, uh, the new culture that you're building there and everything. And the bottom line is if come the midpoint of the season, they're not feeling it and this team isn't in a playoff spot, I got to think they're gone. Like, there's no way you can risk losing them for nothing. You just can't. Uh, they're too good. They're, they would be too valuable as trade pieces. Um, and the bottom line is, I just don't know that this roster is quite good enough to, to be in solid playoff contention come middle of the season. You need a heck of a bounce back from Jonathan Huberdeau. 55 points last year? Like, I get it. He wasn't happy. He wasn't. He was in a very different situation of what he was in Florida. Averaging less than 17 minutes of ice time a game, too. Yeah. It's clearly going wrong there. It was. There was a lot going wrong there. There's no way that it's going to be that bad again. But at the same time, I don't know what his upside is in this with this team anyway. Nazem Kadri, 56 points. I mean, that's probably as good as you could have expected. Maybe, you know, 24 goals. I know he only shot 9%. You can maybe expect some more goals, but he's going to be 33 next year. I don't know realistically what you can expect out of him throughout the regular season. Um, Backlund's just going to be another year older. Also, he's on an expiring contract. Who knows what the situation is there? Um, I, I just... I don't think that this team has enough offense, RJ, to carry it. And I don't know that you can count on a bounce back season from, from Markstrom in net to help you out or the arrival of Dustin Wolf. If that is, you know, what should ha that's what should happen. Um, I don't yes. know that, that you're going to get enough uh, from the back end there to kind of help sustain without the Sutter system to make this kind of lack of offense work. 
Well, you, you mentioned goaltending, though. I mean, looking at Jacob Markstrom, obviously not a good season for him last year. Uh, just looking at the basic numbers, 892 save percentage. But like that's so far off of his career numbers. Yes. Like he he's not he's not that kind of goalie. I, do you think a bounce back is is potentially in the cards? I mean, looking at it, I'd say possibly, but I mean, then again, he is he is thirty three. Looking at goalie aging curves, that that just kind of might be it. Um, but but I, I look at it and I see it as as not impossible. I guess. Yeah, isn't it funny? This is this sounds like us on the exact opposite sides when we talk right. about Philip Grubauer. Um, I. The thing that worries <laughs> the thing that worries me is the fact that he played fifty nine games again last season, right? Sixty three the year mm-hmm. before. That's the thing that scares me. Same thing with Grubauer, right? If these were you're a starting goaltender and you're playing forty five to fifty games, that looks very different than you're playing sixty games year after year. I think that's what really accelerates the aging on these guys. I think will he bounce back some? He has to, right? Like there's just no way he was as bad as he looked last year. Um, but again, does that mean a bounce back to a nine oh five? save percentage like he just kind of gets up to average I think that might be all you really end up seeing from him in which case I don't know that again that that's enough to kind of cover up for the offensive deficiencies that this roster has no I mean that's that's a fair argument I'm looking at six seasons now that you know it'll be this will be the seventh probably that'll be basically playing more than half the team's games and and taking on that full load of being a starter and that does wear on goalies I think Dustin Wolf is actually potentially going to be really important. I mean, is Vladar still under contract? He is. Yeah, he is. Yes, but so, it, I mean, he's and he's signed for backup money. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see if if Wolf gets a shot. He he needs a shot in the NHL. We, we won't get lost too much I on know. that. But the team needs to give him a chance. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like that was part of the sticking point with the turnover of everything. Also, right, was the idea of wanting young players just come in and and for the Calgary Flames to know what they have in these young players. And I know Dustin Wolf was very much part of all of that. So that's partly why I just assume uh, we're going to see you know a decent amount of Dustin Wolf this upcoming season. Um, X factor, if you can find one, RJ. I I can find a whole bunch of X factors. I feel oh, like just okay. because so many players. Well, look, so many players kind of need to turn it around. I mean, you you could point to like a Kadri who needs to you know have a kind of a, a bounce back as far as the shooting percentage. You could point to a, a new addition like a Yeager Sharangovich, yeah. uh, who basically is the return in the Toffoli trade, and and you know you're going to need to replace some of that scoring. I mean, anybody along the blue line who, who probably need to be better, Markstrom included. But I've, I've got to go with Jonathan Huberdo. I, mm-hmm. It just seems obvious to me, and I know it's it's probably too obvious of a pick, but um, you just simply cannot have your your superstar winger who you traded Matthew Kachuk for, who you signed to a contract that goes all the way to the end of the page at $10.5 million, even though he's 30 years old right now. You cannot have that player uh, playing under 17 minutes a night and not being in your top four scores it just just can't happen so if he doesn't turn it around the, the team can't turn it around i feel like yeah uh for me it's elias lindholm i i i just think you know look this this player is so so talented and he's going to be the the key point for the calgary flames all season if they're doing really well it's because he's doing well and they're they're gonna you know he's gonna help get them maybe back to the playoffs if they're not doing well then he is the key to their future and their rebuilding efforts and can are they selling him on the chance that they're going to be better next year or more realistically are they going to be able to get a ton of draft picks back for him um i just think this is a this is a guy who's proven he can be a point per game player he can be a 40 goal scorer oh and on top of it he plays really really solid defense 
like that he's just so so valuable uh no matter how you look at it F 55 almost 56 percent in faceoffs last year like he literally does it all he's one of the most underappreciated guys around the nhl elias lindholm and um just as the team goes his future is going to be decided by that and i think that that's going to be key for calgary whether it's to get to the playoffs next year or to build their future contending team yeah, certainly from the wider perspective, the whole team building perspective, he is the X factor and and yeah, see which team he's on uh, a year from now. That'll tell you a lot about how the Flames did. Yeah, now uh, next up would be the Kraken. We talk about them all the time. We've talked about all their offseason moves, all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, so you want to, should we just do like a real quick X factor for the Kraken, RJ? Just just cause. Yeah, let's let's do that cuz I mean we we talk about them so much. I think yes. last year too we you know almost skipped over them. You'll see plenty of uh Kraken coverage you look around our, our channel yeah. and our podcast. Yeah. Um so yeah, X factor for the Kraken this season. Who are you thinking doing? Uh it's it's kind of tough, right? Like, you know, naturally you kind of want to go like Vince Dunn, can he repeat what he did all or all that kind of stuff. Um I have a feeling like I might know where you're going, so I'm not going to say this player. I think it would be a really fun one if you if if it is. Um but I'm going to go with Andre Burakovsky, right? If he comes back, mm. if he can be healthy for a full season, he's got the clutch gene. I think he could be the guy that helps out the power play a lot more if he's out there. Uh, and just also if, the, if you know he's able to stay healthy and in the lineup, they really kind of settled in on their lineup after he got hurt. And it felt like a lot of what he played last season was still when they were shuffling things around a little bit, right? They were bringing in Tolvin in, that shuffled things around, other stuff's going on. I think if he's able to find some really good chemistry with some people in that top six where he can use both his distributing ability as well as his clutch goal scoring, I think Andre Burakovsky could be the difference for, say, the power play this year for this team or their ability to, you know, score in a shootout or whatever it is. Um, I think Andre Burakovsky's that guy. Interesting. So um, I'm curious who you thought I was going to go with, because it didn't seem like an, an obvious choice one way or the other. But was it Bjorkstrand? It is Bjorkstrand. Yes, I was just. OK, yeah, it was Bjorkstrand. That's why you I left him for too you. Well. Yeah. You know me too well. OK, so, yes, Oliver Bjorkstrand is my X factor for the crack in this season. Um, and starting off last season, look, he was coming off a really good year, few years with Columbus. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like he was going to be a major goal scorer for the Kraken and just was getting unlucky shooting wise. And, and this happens to players sometimes, especially on a new team. And he was just kind of fighting through it, trying to get as many shots as he could on net. But man, he figured it out toward the end of the season. And I mean, once he was on a line with Yanni Gordon, Ellie Tolvin, and those three just clicked and, and really he did his best work in the playoffs. I think he didn't fully figure out his game and figure out the finishing side of it until the playoffs yep. came. Um, and if he can just continue that going forward into next season, I'm confident that he can too. His career numbers show that, that he can be that type of player. Um, it'll just provide that next level of offense for the Kraken that they're, they're going to need. I, I predict that they're probably going to lose some scoring from their fourth line uh, from the bottom six, just because I mean, how can you repeat? that fourth line performance they yeah. had last year, especially since none of those guys are on the team anymore. Um, I guess Brandon Tanev's still there, but you know, most of them pretty much gone. You're going to need guys like Oliver Bjorkstrand to step up and provide top six level scoring. Mm -hmm. Yep. I totally agree. All right. So now into the teams, the, the three, you know, locked in playoff seeds from the Pacific division last year, RJ first up is the Los Angeles Kings who, you know, arguably had the biggest splash in this division of the offseason with that massive Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, bringing him in, sacrificing maybe some of their depth to, to bring in that kind of future uh, franchise center replacement for an age, aging Andre Kopitar. 
it was a really big deal for them, RJ, and it feels like we can't even begin to talk about this team without talking about how well do we think Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to fit in with this squad and how good do we think he can kind of make them. Can he, can he come in and maybe be that guy to unseat Kopitar atop their you know scoring leaders? Yeah, I think he's going to fit in perfectly with the Kings and the style of play that they have. And um, look, they, they are loaded at center right now with yeah. Andre Kopitar, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Philip Dano. I mean, it's going to be scary. really hard to beat a team like that down the middle. I, I think during the regular season, they might kind of load up those guys, have some of them bump out to wing at certain points, Great. load up those lines as you do in the regular season. But I do think this acquisition was really made with a playoff focus. They've lost two first-round series in a row to the Edmonton Oilers, and the best way to counter a team with that kind of offensive firepower is to be rock-solid down the middle, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what you get with a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Um, and so I think this is a trade made with the playoffs in mind. I don't know how much it impacts their regular season performance. I think they're probably going to be about the same scoring wise as they were. They had to move guys out like an Alex Iafalo, um, like a, uh, who was the other guy in the trade that I'm totally blanking on now? Velarde, Gabe Velarde. Velarde, Um, and, And so it'll probably balance out, you know, scoring wise during the regular season. I feel like maybe Dubois will have a little bit more than those two combined, but um, yeah, I don't think it makes that much of a dent in the regular season. What do you think, Dylan? I, I I'm inclined to agree with you. I think their regular season outlook is, is arguably worse this season given all of their moves as a whole, but this is a scary playoff team. It's a really scary playoff team for the three centers that you mentioned. You look even at some of the wingers that they rely on, right? Like a Kevin Fiala, he can kill you both with the with the scoring that he gives, but also with his body and, and the way he can play physically. Uh, Victor Arvidsson, same kind of thing. Adrian Kempe just can, you know, tire you out. Um, they need to figure out, you know, as always, whenever we talk about the Kings, they need to figure out the kids. They need to get these guys ready to go. If those kids all kind of, you know, the Kaliev's, the Byfields, if they get ready to go and they start producing and they provide depth up front to this team, look out. This team could be unstoppable. Um, but without them, you know, that's still a big weakness that they, that they're, you know, is going to hold them back offensively. And then really, Arche, goaltending. This is the thing that I just... I, I'm not so sure about, and this is why I think there could be room for the Kraken in the top three in this division, because you're going to rely on what Cam Talbot to come in at the age of 36 and try to be the guy for you in net. Like that doesn't seem like a great idea to me. You know, it's probably not ideal, but I actually kind of like the plan. I like Cam Talbot as a goalie and, and you know what? Phoenix Copley played all right. Good enough for them last season. And you know what? They're going cheap in net. I like this strategy. That's where you should devote your resources. I actually feel like it's going to work out for them. I I know I goaltending again. It's, it's all random. It's hard to predict, but also you look at how bad their goaltending was last season between Jonathan quick, Cal Peterson before Copley came up, right? Yes. You look at, I I don't have offhand here what their team save percentage was, but it it cannot have been (laughs) good. good, And they were still able to be the three seed in the division. Yeah. Looking at these two, I just I don't know how they do worse than what the Kings got last season. And they still managed to be a solid playoff team. If it improves at all, which I think certainly has to be in the cards, uh, then 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 look out. I think the Kings could be, you know, in play for the top of the division. I don't think goaltending is going to be an issue just because I don't think it can get worse. Yeah. That's... Did you look up their team save percentage? I saw you looking at no, it. No, I, 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 I did not. But I yeah, mostly because I don't want to give myself nightmares. 
I agree with you. I don't <laughs> I don't think it can be worse. And here's the bottom line is the blue line in front is is so good, RJ. Right? Like like Drew Doughty is playing still at a very high level. You've got Gavrikov now for a full season. You still got Mikey Anderson, uh Matt Roy, you Brant Clark's gonna be coming in. Like this this is a a sick blue line. And then again, if you get depth up front from a Byfield, the Kaliev, those kind of guys, I, I don't know the goaltending. They're going to have to face too many tough shots, I guess is what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be able to see pucks. They're not going to have guys standing in front of them that like this blue line is not, does not look like a blue line. That's going to let their goalies get screened all that often. You know what I mean? So yeah, and I, the defensive help you get from your forwards too, having exactly. a Dano or a Kopitar on the ice so much of the time, even a Dubois, like he can, he can do some stuff back there. So yeah, I, I think, I think they'll, they'll probably do okay. I still worry come playoff time about the goaltending, right? Like you're going to need some saves to, to advance in the playoffs and, and, you know, we'll see at the end of the season, how those guys do. But overall, I mean, this, this Kings team, they're, they're keeping up with the arms race, you know, and that's what they need. Yeah, to and, do. and they have to given the, the failure of some of their young guys to really be big producers already. But right. you know, Rob Blake, he doesn't just sit by and, and wait for it to happen. He's going to go make moves. Yeah. So here, here, last question before we get to X factors. Do you think that this is the year that the the young guys figure it out? Um, you know, Akaliev maybe was figuring it out at times last season. He got some scoring going. Byfield obviously is the big one, right? Second, former second overall pick. He needs to be better than twenty two points in fifty three games. That being said, he shot four point one percent. I gotta think that'll get better. Like just. Be, just playing hockey, you're going to have a better shooting percentage than that most of the time. Um, but but can he evolve into somebody that can either crack the top six from a point standpoint or turn into a valuable depth piece, RJ? Because so far we haven't seen either of those two things from him. I think he will. I, it might be more the valuable depth piece type of thing. Mm-hmm. But look, I think what bringing in Pierre-Luc Dubois allows you to do is you take all the pressure off of Quinton Byfield yeah. to be a center. Yep. You are set at center on this team for the next several years between Kopitar, Dubois, and, and Dano. I, if I'm the coach, if I'm Todd McClellan, I'm telling Quinton Byfield, just, just go out there and play on one of those top six teams as a winger and just go play hockey. Go forecheck. Use that big body that you have mm-hmm. and go out there and try and score. Let Andre Kopitar take care of the, you know, the the defense and the back checking and all those responsibilities. Let Philip Deneau take care of all that. You just go out there and be the skilled hockey player that you are. And I think that's that ultimately is going to be good for him. Now, it, I think it makes him less likely to project as, you know, the the franchise center that they were hoping when they they took him second yep. overall. But I think it's going to lead to him being a better producer down the lineup for the Kings, and, and that'll end up making a difference. And I mean, that's why I was going to go with him as my X factor. So oh, there, okay. I can just I can yeah. leave it there. But I think Quinton Byfield's going to be the X factor. They're going to need that secondary scoring in LA. One of those young guys is going to have to figure it out. Yep. And, and I think Byfield has the best shot. All right, I'm going to go with a different young guy as my X factor. All right, and this is a young player on the blue line, and it's the rock star Brant Clark. All right. And now I know the hype around this kid is insane. He's done nothing to make it die down at all. Either he he loves feeding it. The bottom line, though, is at every level he's played, whether it's an international competition, whether it was playing in Slovakia, whether it was you know coming back to the OHL, he's backed it up. And and, you know, look, did he get walked a couple times in the nine games he played at the NHL level last year? 
Of course he did. No young, offensively-minded defenseman isn't going to just get destroyed at the NHL level his first (laughs) season or two. But the bottom line is he is so uber-talented. Uh, that I just think he is going to come in. He's going to help provide secondary scoring from the blue line for this team. And when you look at an NHL landscape where everybody's looking at who could be the next, I mean, dare I say Kale McCarr, I don't know like he'd be that transcendent, but you look at the next defenseman who could put up 70 points, ask a hundred NHL executives, what 90 are going to say Brant Clark probably. So I, I just think the bottom line is that journey's got to start somewhere. Is it gonna is he gonna have his moments this year where things look rough defensively? Absolutely. But they have a talented enough blue line that they can largely limit those mistakes and they can certainly cover for a lot of them. And I think that's just gonna embolden him. It's gonna allow him to grow uh, and build confidence. And once he has that confidence and swagger up at the NHL level, RJ, look out because that I mean he's gonna be putting up, you know, he could have he could have fifty to sixty points this year for them as like a twenty year old. And that's just a lot of offense to be adding to this team. That's certainly something that you saw when when projecting him for the draft and everything in his yeah. drafter. I know you were very high on him, uh, thought that he should be in the conversation even for the Kraken at number two, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a very good player and could be a thorn in the Kraken sides for a, a while to come if he reaches that potential. Yeah, I know. I don't like talking about all these young X-Factors like Brant Clark and Mason McTavish, RJ. It's it's rough. Thankfully, the Kraken have their own and guys like Matty Beniers and Shane Wright. But boy, it's uh, it is scary. Uh, the long-term outlook in this division. All right, next up, we've got two teams left. The Edmonton Oilers, RJ. Uh, you know, McDavid's going to keep doing McDavid things. Drysaddle's going to keep doing Drysaddle things. Uh, the question is, does the rest of the team kind of do what they did, right? I mean, quiet. Is this the quietest 104-point season in NHL history from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, RJ? Because only right now am I realizing he had 104 points last year. No wonder my fantasy team was, did all right. I had him on it. Uh, there you go. 100-point scorer Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I mean, 37 around. goals. 37 yeah. goal season for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. It's crazy. Do you have the power play breakdown for those points numbers? I do. And it was a lot. Yeah, 38 power play assists, 15 oh, power play goals. So, you know, maybe benefiting a little bit from the power play there. But again, you know, that's that's its own little category in uh, in fantasy hockey. And that's also why it helped me do well. But, you know, Zach Hyman with the 83 point season, 36 goals from him. It didn't matter that they had zero depth scoring on this roster, RJ, because they got about 10,000 goals combined from their top four forwards. Yeah, that's how this team is built, right? I mean, the Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers are, are going to do what they do. That top six is absolutely stacked. Uh, and then the depth is just going to try and be good enough, right? Yeah. Um, it, it hasn't really changed much. Look, the Oilers don't have a whole lot of flexibility with their roster to make no. these kind of moves. They made their big move last season at the deadline, bringing in Matthias Ekholm. He's going to be there for a full season, 33 years old though. So you don't know when the decline is going to happen. Uh, they, they just signed Evan Bouchard to a two year bridge deal, mm-hmm. uh, which again, that's a tough cap situation. The contract is great for the next two years, but uh, yeah. you're going to have to pay him a whole lot of money once that's over. So this is really the meat of their window, but again, just not a whole lot of change from the team that we saw last season. Nope. Nope. Uh, not that, you know, they totally needed it. Right. I mean, this is a team that was in what the Western conference finals two years ago. Um, so they're, they're look, they're going to go as far as those top guys can take them. We all know that here's the real question, RJ, 
was Stuart Skinner for real? And and have they found their guy in net uh, that they've been searching for for you know what eight, nine, twenty years? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, look, I, I think Stuart Skinner. At, at least as a just decent regular season goalie, somebody who can be good enough for you in the regular season. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's at that level. Uh, you know, 914 save percentage this past year, 913 and 13 games the year before. I had been saying for a while that, that they should start Skinner over, you know, Mike Smith during those days when, he, when Smith was in net. Um, rough playoff performance from Skinner. I I, I don't know. Look, goaltending's kind of random. I, I don't know that he's just a, a good playoff goaltender though he just mm -hmm. looked kind of leaky so i think he'll do his thing again in the regular season he'll be good enough look when the team scores as much as the edmonton oilers you don't need your goalie to be amazing no. um and, and i think skinner will get that job done at least um i, I mean for me also the jack campbell you still got him <laughs> under yes. contract for four years and man the oilers it's clear how little faith they have in him even though he looked like clearly the better goaltender uh, in the playoffs as yeah. they were you know, getting eliminated by the vegas golden knights uh they would not turn to jack campbell even though he seemed better it just shows how little trust they have in him so i mean that's a big question for me too is do they try and get him back on the right track do they have a choice but to try and get him back no. on the right track um I, I don't know. I, I think that's just got to really hurt a goalie's confidence when when Stuart Skinner was playing as poorly as he was in the playoffs and Campbell still wasn't given the opportunity to start games. So I, I want to see where they're at goaltending wise and if Campbell can bounce back at all. Yeah, that very much felt like a learning moment for a younger head coach and Jay Woodcroft, didn't it? Like, you know. Like yeah. he was sticking with his guy, right? Like he got us here. He's, he was playing better all regular season. I'm going to stick with my guy and, and let him try to work through it. And you learn pretty quick in a seven game series, you can't do that because you lose four games and you're done. Uh, so you, you really got to be better. And, and I think that he'll have learned that lesson. I think, you know, Skinner probably play about the same as he did last season. Maybe there's a little bit more of a book on him around the league now. Maybe there's a little bit um, that comes off the top. I got to think Jack Campbell bounces back some. I just think being, you know, a, a full season, having been there, I think coming back, I think he's going to be motivated. He is somebody, I would agree with everything you said about the, the playoff stuff and getting to him, but he is somebody that we've seen work through so much in his career already. Right. I mean, this guy was taken 10th overall uh, that draft that first draft you and I went to together right by the Dallas Stars, one of the bigger busts and then is able to come back out and have a career and end up getting this payday to go to the Edmonton Oilers and all that kind of stuff. So I think Jack Campbell's got the mental makeup to, to find it and a way past all that kind of stuff. I just don't know that, you know, this is a great situation for any goaltender to be in just because of the blue line in front of you. Right. Uh, Ekholm helps. Uh, but guys like Bouchard, he's not focused on helping his goaltender. He's focused on helping feed the offense. Right. And he should. That's what he's good at. This this team is built around offense. But as you know, I, as, as for the rest of the blue line and, the, and then the depth issues that they have at forward. Unless you just build your bottom six at forward to just be super defensive and just, hey, we're not going to allow any goals while our top guys are on the bench, you know, uh, finding oxygen from having to play the entire rest of this game. Um, I, I don't see how this is a good spot for any goaltender to be in regardless. And I think that just wears on you over the course of a season. So I think the fact that they got both of them is going to work out. Okay. Cause they can just ride them in tandem. And I think Woodcroft is going to handle it all better than last season.
Um, yeah, no, I, I think. Yeah, go for well, it. Well, yeah, just and also just it's a different story in the regular season yeah. versus the playoffs too, as as you mentioned. But um, you know, you've got two guys who you know at least can play. Yeah. <laughs> All right, X Factor time. I'm going back to the blue line with Darnell Nurse because the bottom line is they are paying him like he is one of the top defensemen in the NHL. And what he gave you last year was so far from being one of the top defensemen in the NHL. I'm a big believer in Darnell Nurse. I defended this contract. I very much think he is that guy or he can be that guy. But boy, were there some brutal, brutal moments from Darnell Nurse last season, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. I, I think he can be the minute muncher who can play, you know, 23 and a half minutes like he did last year. But I think he's got to play a little bit better than he did um, when McDavid, Dreisaitl aren't on the ice. Like that's, you know, he's got to play better when those guys aren't out there. Uh, I think he can. But with without that, I think their playoffs are um, they're going to struggle because, you know, you need to l- rely on those big uh, defensemen come playoff time. And if they can't rely on him again next season, I think it, a lot of this other stuff's not going to matter. Right now, Nurse, yeah, he was, especially during the playoffs, too, I think, you know, with the, took a, a yeah. dumb suspension also yeah. and everything. There was a lot of um, mistakes and, there. And that was, you know, one of those cautionary tales we kept pointing to with when we were talking about a Vince Dunn extension, right? Yeah. Where if it came into that Darnell Nurse neighborhood of the nine mil a year and just, it's so hard to live up to, mm-hmm. even if you're a good defenseman, you know, it's just hard to live up to that kind of contract. Um, so it, you took my pick there, so I'm, I'm kind of trying to buy some time here for the next one. Uh, but you know what? I, I think I'm going to go with uh, Evander Kane. Yeah. And um, because I, I think I want to see, you know, for, for the Oilers too, if they're going to get to that real next level and, and be consistent, I, Evander Kane needs to play a full season for them. Yes. And he hasn't done that yet. And it's not, you know, been entirely his fault, I guess, with that freak injury, <laughs> that, yes. you know, from, from last season. But look, the Oilers are going to need Evander Kane to be healthy and effective if they want to be a cup contender. And I know that's more of a, you know, come playoff time type of thing, Mm -hmm. but they're just a different team with him in the lineup, the scoring edge that he brings. And also I think just the potential for him not to be there for whatever reason, right? Yes. Feels like something always happened, you know, whether it's his fault or not, feels like something always ends up happening where he's not able to play that full season. He's 32. He also plays a really physical style of game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does that wear on him at some point, you know, the injury this past season, you know, wasn't really a result of that, but you know, maybe that happens at some point as well. And if if he breaks down, I think you're going to have to have other guys that step up. And I I, I don't know who else, as far as the depth guys that can really step into that role. Nobody can look, they always have two classes of players and I don't think anyone can step into that role effectively. So I'm going to go with Evander Kane. All right. I think that's a good pick as well. Um, Yeah. Oilers. I mean, it's, you, you go as far as McDavid can take you. Which is pretty yeah, far. I mean, really, McDavid, <laughs> McDavid and Dreisaitl, those are the yeah. two X factors, yeah, really. Yeah, let's but we, we got to try and pick somebody else. Yep. All right, last but certainly not least, the defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. It, it hurts to say, not going to lie. Um, Vegas Golden Knights, RJ, this, uh, look, they're a good team. They just played a ton of hockey. They had to play through a ton of injuries. I don't suspect that we'll probably see, I mean, are we going to see Mark Stone through over half of this regular season? Over under 40 and a half games, I'll give you. 
I'll take the under uh, on too. that with Mark Stone. I mean, you know, reports are that he's his back is or was okay. Um, you know, I, I know he what he, he break his wrist in the final game of the you know where they won the Stanley <laughs> yes. Cup too. I mean, that'll heal, but um, yeah, big question marks there. I, as as with any team that wins the Stanley Cup and goes on a long yep. run like that, you're going to have injury question marks because yep. it it just. It, you take such a beating to get to that point. Vegas will be dealing with that at the start of next season uh, and potentially beyond with a guy like Mark Stone. Yeah, uh, but, you know, look, the bottom line is the core of this roster is still coming back. You've got the blue line led by Petrangelo, Martinez, and Theodore McNabb. You've got Nick Haig on there. You've got Jack Eichel up front with Mark Stone, Carlson, Marcheseau, Barbashev. Like, it just, it never ends, right? They're still deep at all positions, You've got the goaltending tandem of, of, you know, Stanley Cup winner Aiden Hill. Logan Thompson looked like he was supposed to be the guy going into last season. The bottom line is they're probably both going to be okay for you this season. Um, this team's just good, RJ. I don't really know what there is to talk about too much, else, you know, because we don't know the injuries that are going to linger into the regular season. Um, only looking at kind of what they are on paper, the moves they made in the offseason or the lack thereof. And, and who they bring back, this team's just good. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're, look, on paper, they're as good as any team in the division. And, I mean, there's a reason they won the division last season and, and went on to win the Stanley Cup. They're just a very good hockey team. I mean, who who could have predicted that in last year's uh, division preview? But, um <laughs> Yeah, there. I, I don't predict that. I don't think that they'll take a step back really that much. I, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe a little bit just because of the injuries, and there, there's always that factor. But th- there's no reason to believe that they they shouldn't uh, do really well this season. I mean, I guess you know maybe with a, a Petrangelo to Martinez kind of getting up there in years. But you look at the core of this team, the Jack Eichel trade. That's what solidifies it all, right? Yep. He's only 26. Yep. There should be. There should be no, you know, regression from Jack Eichel. He's still well within his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you do have a few guys that are, you know, approaching 30. But really, you know, you, you bring back Ivan Barbashev at 27, Chandler Stevenson at 29. These guys are still around their prime. I, I just, I don't see why they would be a worse team. And, and goaltending, look, the team's just so good in front of the goalies. Yeah, it doesn't it, matter. It doesn't really matter who's in that. We learned that last season. Yes. Aiden Hill, the third stringer, ends up coming in and winning the Stanley Cup. So I'm not worried about them at all either. Yeah. Uh, this is really the one just because like, we've already talked about how good they are. Like there's not much, too much to talk about. Uh, I kind of want to just give you the floor RJ to talk about Aiden Hill getting the contract that he got just for being (laughs) the guy who was healthy for the Stanley cup finals. I think Vegas, it was weird to see that because this is the first time that I can remember where they gave out like the dumb loyalty contract, right? You'll see teams sometimes do this after having success or, or winning a cup. The smart teams don't do it, uh, but Vegas ended up, yeah, giving Aiden Hill. I mean, at least the term is okay. Two years, yeah. it's not too bad at $4.9 million. But yeah, for, for Aiden Hill, I was still shocked to see Vegas of all teams, the, yes. the ruthless team that has no loyalty to anybody, uh, making a deal like that especially with Logan Thompson, presumably coming back at, at right. a contract that again, how did they get this contract for Logan Thompson? Still two more years left on it at, I, I believe less than, no, I guess it's league minimum 750 K now. It, I, it would have to be or seven, six, I think by, five, maybe. Right. By, by the end of this contract, I think it'll be less than league minimum <laughs> for, for Logan Thompson, just because he signed it already. So but ridiculous. when you have that too, yeah, you have the the potential to go so cheap in net, cheaper than any other team can. I don't know. I, I don't agree with the Aiden Hill contract. He played fantastic in the playoffs. I still think he's a really good goalie. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, as as that showed though, when you have a team as good as Vegas is, it doesn't matter who's in that. You can find success with anybody. Yeah, I mean, he, again, he wasn't like either, they those two goaltenders mentioned weren't even the goaltender they entered the playoffs with. Who, by the way, yeah. also had basically the exact same numbers. All three guys had the exact same numbers. It's crazy. Um, so I just want to, real quick, that wasn't McCrimmon or or um, uh, McPhee, right? Like that had to all be Foley ownership, right? Ownership said he's getting that contract, right? That one screams ownership. And especially yeah. like when you win the Stanley Cup, then I guess I, maybe you're allowed one of those for the fans where the fans would have been, I guess, disappointed if you let Aiden Hill go because he was such a big part of that, right. that run. And he hadn't done a whole lot for the team before that. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the goalies who rotated in earlier the season. But yeah. I guess you want to give the fans more of a memory of that guy uh, sticking around and, and you know, maybe you, you sell some more merch and stuff too. I don't know. But yeah, that screams ownership to me. Yeah. Uh, what can I say, RJ? It's just the Portland Winterhawks X Factor. That's what it is. Uh, I, I knew you'd throw a Portland Winterhawks reference in here at some point. I had to. He was the goalie while I was there. Like it's, it just works. Um, all right. So uh, let's let's just go right into X Factors because you know we could talk about how good this roster is, but there's no point. Like it just won the Stanley Cup. It's everybody coming back. We all know how good they are. Um, X Factor for this team, RJ. Is it is it in net? Is it the health of Mark Stone? Is it somebody that we haven't mentioned yet? Where are you going? Well, I think it's certainly the health of Mark Stone because they're just a different team when he's in the lineup. But I think we've already covered that. So I'm, yes. I'm going to go elsewhere. Um, and I, I'm going to go with Alex Petrangelo because okay. he he played really well last season, was a big part of that yep. run. And clearly this this team, the system is just it's just built so well for him. But you know, he's 33 years old, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're just coming off a cup run and he's got a lot of miles on him. I mean, he's he's won two Stanley Cups now in, in pretty recent memory. Those are two long playoff runs. I mean, he's you know, he played 80 games and 73 games last season. And just um, the amount of hockey he's played over the last several years, yeah. I wonder if that catches up to him at some point. Mm-hmm. And if it does, they're, they're just a different team without him on the blue line. If he gets injured or if he's just not quite himself if he's tired so that's my x factor if he can stay as good as he has been then um you know vegas should be able to to do what they've been doing but if not they could be in trouble potentially do you think there's a chance that they would purposefully lessen his role in the regular season arrest him in the regular season like not quite to like nba standards where they like he's a healthy yeah. scratch like once every couple weeks but like do you think that there's a chance that they would um, you know, kind of cut back on his regular season ice time, just specifically for that reason. I think they should. Uh, I mean, I, I would if I were the Golden Knights. And you look at his ice time, too. I mean, if you go throughout the seasons of his career, I, I, last season he had in the regular season, he had his lowest average ice time since 2010, 2011. <laughs> yeah, it's a while ago. Since his first full year in the league, really. So I think maybe they might have made an effort to do that already. And, and maybe it paid dividends in the playoffs as he was able to play more. So um, that is something important, I think, to look at is what his ice time is. And maybe do you cut that a little bit more? Yeah. So because that I, I wanted so bad to pick Shea Theodore to be my X factor. And that's partly why I brought it up, because the idea of do you think like in the regular season, they almost reverse those two's roles uh, just just to help keep Petrangelo healthy, get him to, to, to postseason time. But the bottom line is, RJ, I couldn't go. I, I just, I, I was struggled with this one. It was tough. But Chandler Stevenson, he's to me the Ooh, okay. X factor for this team because Jack Eichel. Look, you're still looking to get a full regular season from Jack Eichel. 
right? Uh, that's something that needs to, that needs to happen for the Golden Knights. And I don't know after a big, long, deep, and intense playoff run if this year would then be the year that you get the you know even seventy five plus games from him. So Chandler Stevenson all of a sudden becomes like that that kind of guy for you. Um, and can he can he pick up some of the slack in the areas in which Eichel isn't? one of the best players in the world, right? Eichel, he's got the point production. He's got the clutch. He's got all that kind of stuff, the special team stuff, the two-way play, especially through the neutral zone. But the stuff like face-offs, 45% on face-offs for Jack Eichel last year. That's that's, that's bad. That's like cracking bad. Uh, <laughs> Chandler Stevenson, though, 58%, right? Can Chandler Stevenson continue to do the little things? Can he continue to help out on the power play? Can he continue to help out with some timely scoring and to distribute to all of the wingers and win the faceoffs and do all those little things that, that Eichel, you know, kind of, they don't have a, a, a two C to, to do, or I guess he is the two C. Can he continue to be a two C is I guess the bottom line that I'm asking um, in a contract year. Because I think that's another big deal for them long term. This is where maybe the Aiden Hill contract becomes an issue. Is you know if Chandler Stevenson again proves to be your perfect complementary piece to Jack Eichel, what is that? You know, can you afford to pay him next off season? Uh, so I think a lot of stuff's going to come down to that. Uh, just because if you are missing a Mark Stone, if you do miss Eichel for some time, a lot's going to fall on Chandler Stevenson to kind of help keep the team at the top of the division. And so I think that's why Chandler Stevenson's kind of the X factor for them. All right. And I, I think he could definitely do that. I, he is, he's clearly the, the two C that they need. I mean, he was the one C for a little while and maybe that yes. was a bit of a problem, but you bring in Eichel, you solve that problem. And Stevenson's yeah. one of the better two C's in the league. So uh, yeah, no, I, I don't worry about him at all. Uh, agreed. Yeah. And that's really why I bring it up, right? Like the season he's more of their one C is the one year they haven't made the playoffs. So it's kind of like, well, well, is he the problem? <laughs> but like also that entire team was on IR. So it would be unfair to blame him for it. Um, all right. So there you have it. There are, there's our breakdown of all the teams in the division, our X factors for all the squads, all that good stuff. Now, RJ, as we approach, we're 10 minutes out from an hour and a half. Uh, we can finally get to ranking and, and predicting where we think everybody's going to end up in this division, RJ. I believe we started at the top last year and, and we worked our yeah, way I think, down. I think we did. That's yes. right. So shall we do that again? I think we shall. Um, at the top of the division, RJ. Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Okay. So, so last year we both picked the Edmonton Oilers to win the division. Yep. We were both quite close. It came down to the yeah. wire between Edmonton Two and Vegas. Difference. It really did. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go with the Oilers again. I think they actually get it done this year. I, I'm sorry. Are we going to just agree on everything? I, I, I don't I, want to. I don't want to either, but we might. <laughs> I, I just look, I, I think Vegas certainly playoff wise is, is the best team in the division. By the far. most solidly built team. Yeah. By yeah. Far. By far. But just you've got the Stanley Cup hangover. I think mm -hmm. it's going to push them down just a little bit in the standings. Um, but yeah, I think Edmonton will take advantage of that. We know they're the most consistent, I think, regular season team out yeah. of this group. We know McDavid's going to do his thing. We know Drysaddle's going to do his thing. I, I think they'll win the division. Yeah, there's no... Look, nobody was able to figure out a way to stop the Edmonton power play last year. I don't see what would be different this year. Uh, so yeah, Edmonton is the team for me at the very top. Uh, looking at second place in the division, that's where I've got Vegas. I do think that Vegas, you know, yeah, I know, I know. I, I do think Vegas is going to step back a little bit just because I think they are going to be more careful with ice time with guys like Eichel. Like it would be, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Chandler Stevenson, again, just like last year, actually outplays Eichel ice time wise because 
you're saving Eichel for the playoffs. There's you don't need him to do anything in the regular season. Uh, and same with Petrangelo we talked about already. Uh, but that being said, Vegas is still Vegas. They're going to want to be a good team, right? That's the mentality and the culture they have. And they've got the roster to go and be a good team. They've also got the goaltending, right? If they're, if, if Bruce Cassidy manages who's hot at any given time, I mean, this team could, I guess, win 60 games. <laughs> like they are that talented. Yeah, I'm going to go with them at number two also. Uh, you know, sorry, just like I did last season too. I yep. had Edmonton one, Vegas yep. two. Um, yeah, I was I was a little wrong on that. Flip it. But um, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. I mean, you, you said it all about Vegas. And I think really there is a bit of a drop-off now between these two teams, at least in the regular season, and the rest of the division. I, I, for me, I think there's going to be a gap there between Edmonton, Vegas, uh, and then whichever team finishes third. I... Don't agree with you. I think there's one more okay. team that maybe isn't quite in the S tier with them, but is maybe alone in an A tier, and that is the LA Kings. I, I I think the LA Kings are that third, you know, kind of guaranteed playoff team from the Pacific Division, for all the reasons we talked about, right? Like they've got a, an incredible blue line. They'll figure out. They'll get good enough goaltending. They bring in a uh, you know a, a really solid other center in Pierre Luc Dubois. And if the kids all step up, whether it's Brant Clark or Quinton Byfield or Kaliev Turcotte, whoever it is, if they just get some depth scoring, that team's going to be really really good. Uh, I just don't see how that team falls off kind of from where they were last season. So I've got the Kings in third. Well, guess who I have in third, Dylan? It's also the LA Kings. <laughs> Aren't you we'll glad, everybody, you sat around for an hour and 20 minutes just to hear us agree about everything? Yeah, sorry about this, everybody. But, yeah, I, I just – look, we talked about how, how good LA is. They finished third in the division last yep. year. I, I think the goaltending is bound to get better. Uh, and I don't think they're going to be really challenging Edmonton or Vegas for one no. of those top two spots. I guess with the loser point, the standings always end up kind of close toward yes. the end of the year. I mean, even this past year, it did like they were in it, you know, in the final week or so. Um, but I just think there's there's going to be a, a pretty big gap there. Yeah. And then uh, a crack in it for. Yeah. Yep. Cracking it for. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, no, uh, but you know, to your, to your credit, right? Like what you were just saying, there was only 11 points difference between Vegas and the Kraken last year. And think of how massively different those two teams felt all season long and going into the last couple months of the season, right? It didn't feel like they were close at all. And like, that's not to take anything away from the Kraken. It just kind of talks about how good Vegas or Edmonton was only nine points separated the Kraken and Edmonton last year. So these, these are going to be close. We're not saying like this, you know, Seattle is that bad or anything like Seattle has a fantastic team. I think they're guaranteed that they're guaranteed at the bottom really with, you know, not assuming injuries and stuff being that top wildcard seed for the Western conference. Uh, it's just, I think those three teams ahead of them are still just a little bit ahead of them as far as development and where everybody's at. They have more guys in their prime than Seattle do. Um, but Seattle, they're such a deep team. We saw what they did last year. We just went through all 82 games last week, RJ, and basically said they're going to be <laughs> as good as they were last year. So there's no reason to think they shouldn't be in fourth place in the division. Who do you have at five, though? Maybe maybe here's where we differ, RJ. Right, because I think, I think we probably have the same bottom two in the division. Yeah, right? probably. So, yes. I mean, in, in whatever order, yep. you know, but I think really between Vancouver and Calgary here at five and six, I think you can make a good argument either way. I kind of just want to go with whoever the opposite of whoever you say, because I, I feel like I could make good argument for either of these teams. I had Vancouver. 
I had Vancouver too. <laughs> All right, no, no, I have Calgary she now. Has okay, Calgary. I'm just changing okay. it to Calgary, so we have something different. Okay, Calgary. Look, this roster—they were competing for a playoff spot. They were right there at the end of last season, yep. and that's with a coach that apparently they hated. <laughs> and that and that still was like as low as they could go bringing another coach I, i'm a big believer in the the first year head coach bump just having a different mm -hmm. voice there especially if the previous coach is someone you didn't particularly like they still have a lot of talent on that team i do think the goaltending is going to get better i know we talked about markstrom and playing all those games getting burned out i don't think it's going to be worse you know yeah. like 893 whatever the save percentage was i don't think it's going to be worse uh so I, I think calgary is certainly capable of finishing above vancouver um they're not as sexy a pick really you know certainly given how last season went and, and vancouver i think they have so much talent that you know and, and like flashy talent yeah. right whether it's a Pedersen, kuzmenko hughes those guys who are really fun to watch but Calgary, I think they're certainly capable of just being the better overall all around team uh, and, and have less potential weakness there. So fine. Give me Calgary at number five. All right. Uh, hey, look, I mean, they had 10 more standings points than Vancouver did last year. Like that's that's a big gap for Vancouver to kind of jump year to year. Ten yeah. points. Did Vancouver get 10 points better i mean it is with this coaching change is, is i mean the changes over this past offseason getting rid of a coach everyone hates does the calorie get 10 points well, worse there's there's i don't know i i think the i think the combination of the two might help make it happen right like five i don't points know each way yeah yeah like five to six points either direction and then all of a sudden you're there what's also interesting is all 10 of those points were loser points calgary had 17 otl losses vancouver had seven so it's literally it was just because vancouver uh, calgary could get to overtime before they lost and vancouver couldn't um, but yeah, Vancouver, this is the best Vancouver Canucks roster that's been there in years, like a long time. And it's, you know, again, I don't know that it's a playoff team, but it's the best <laughs> roster that they've had in a long time. I, I really believe in that blue line. I think Thatcher Demko is going to bounce back, even though he's still not elite. And I don't think he's as great as Vancouver fans seem to think he is. I think he's going to be better than he was last season. And I think that's enough to, to have Vancouver, um, you know, be in the wild card, the second wild card hunt um, pretty late into the season. I don't know that they'll be there the final week or two, but I think, you know, the last couple months, I think they might be there and, and maybe we see them do some ridiculous trade deadline acquisition because they believe that they can. And that's always fun, <laughs> RJ. That's just fun to see. I do think they are more likely to be buyers at the deadline than, than Calgary, yeah. just given how the, the situation either team is in. I will point, though, because we talked about overtime on the OTLs. Yeah. Uh, whether you think this has some, you know, regression to the mean or whatever, but if you look at overtime records last season, the Canucks with 14 wins and seven losses losses doing pretty well in overtime yeah. calgary seven wins and 17 losses <laughs> well look at overtime so we just talked about both those teams which one seems better set up for three on three and a shootout hey you <laughs> know uh hmm. is it the team with Nazem Kadri? yeah i was gonna so you think okay all right um all right, so for, for sixth in the division, we've got the the inverse of what we just had, right? You'll have Vancouver, I have Calgary. Um, I, I Yeah, those teams are pretty close. I just think Calgary is, is slightly worse. Um, I think they're in a transition, and I just don't know that they've got the depth of scoring. Um, you can say something about Vancouver if you want. Um, Vancouver, uh, Rick Tockett. Calgary's um, most, uh, Canada's most Western team. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they're trying every year they, they really try. try they really try all right so now now for the for the fun bit um the the bottom two rj 
Yeah. Now, we had a bit of a debate on this last yeah. season. Yeah. Between San Jose and Anaheim. Yep. I thought the Sharks were going to do just a little bit better than the Ducks. You thought the Ducks were going to do maybe more than a little bit better than the Sharks. Yeah. Turned out I was right. Uh, but I mean, I didn't predict, I didn't think the Ducks were going to be that bad, as bad as they actually were. I, I thought it was going to be much closer. Yeah. All right. This one's, this one's is kind of tough for me, RJ, but I'm going to, I'm going to believe in Anaheim again and say that they can finish second to last in the division. <laughs> That's how much I believe in the Ducks. There you go. Uh, hey, going out on a limb there, and I'm sorry, but I have to agree with you. Yeah. Just because the Sharks are so bad. So bad. I, I just, I don't know how they finished anything but last in the Pacific Division. I, they're just, yeah, the, certainly the the worst. And I've followed the Sharks pretty closely for most of my life. Yeah. Definitely the worst Sharks team uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, it's it's going to be really bad. There's just no scoring there. Anaheim. At actually, least... let me check the '96 and '97 <laughs> teams and say. such because I actually hang on. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Yeah, like like Anaheim at least has like they're the Vancouver Light, you know, right? Like they have some guys that can put up goals, you know, goals and some scoring, and and they're they're further along in their rebuild, so they should be going up while the Sharks are going down, right? Like this would be the natural progression for where both of these teams are um, in their in their journeys towards getting relevant again <laughs> i don't i'm not even gonna say contending i'm just gonna say being relevant in the nhl um so that's that's yeah i just think anaheim's got to be better than they were last year and i think they'll find a way to be uh even if it's just only because drysdale plays a full season and mctavish is better yeah no i think they just have more young guys who can who can step up and i, I looked it up okay maybe the 95 96 sharks were were worse than this team is going to be yeah. um so we'll, we'll see <laughs> what's I wonder like post lockout. Do you think the San Jose Sharks team with their blue line and goaltending could set a record for most goals against? Ooh, I, I what is the previous record? Do you think? I have no idea. Um, like this is, this would be something like maybe we'd pause the recording and come back with, cause I don't know how fast we can find it, but in a, a like post Oh five lockout world, I, it's possible. Yeah, it's certainly, let's see, most goals against in a season. If I can pull this up on the NHL records really uh, quick. I'm going to pause the recording real quick while you do. Okay, so we're we're back. Uh, RJ, <laughs> you, you found the answer to the previous record holder for, for most goals against in a, in a regular season post-05 lockout. And who was it? Uh, it was the 2022-23 Anaheim Ducks of all teams, a team we've discussed a bit today with 335 goals against. Now, so I think that gives a pretty clear measuring stick for where the record is. Now, I'm looking at hockey reference, and they say 338. So there's somehow a three, like maybe empty huh, netters. I'm on the NHL there. records page. That so seems a little more I'm, trustworthy I'm... Than, than hockey reference. Um the Sharks last year, for reference, had 321, according to Hockey Reference, which now we don't know if it's reliable or not. Uh, but the bottom line is, it's attainable in today's NHL. <laughs> and I think the Sharks are going to have a really good shot to break that record. Yeah, certainly. We'll, we'll uh, see how they do next season. The last season's Columbus Blue Jackets were also up there. I think they have the second highest yep. total. So, hey, with higher goal scoring now, anything is possible. Anything is possible when your defense is led by the ghost of of Vlasic. <laughs> oh, got to finish it off on that note. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But also this is a Seattle Kraken podcast. So I'm not sorry. All right. <laughs> it's fine. Fair enough. 
Uh, all right, there it is, everybody. There is our division preview for the upcoming season for the Pacific Division, where we think everybody's going to fall. As always, let us know in the comment section over on YouTube uh, where you think everybody's going to go. Um, let, let me know if I'm still crazy for thinking Thatcher Demko's uh, not an elite goaltender or if you have an issue with any of our other takes or if you just want to say you agree with us. That's always nice, too. Um, you, can, <laughs> you can hit us up on Twitter as well, at EmeraldCityHKY. Same thing over on on uh, Instagram and then of course the the lovely discord where we always talk about all this kind of stuff as well I uh, will be back at it next week one more shout out to Queen Anne Beer Hall for sponsoring the podcast even if RJ moved away from them uh, <laughs> it's alright though because maybe there's more coming um, and we will see you all next time hey everyone before we go we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Andrew, Anonymous, Ben, Brad, Burnt Creme, Kaylin, Chris, Cody, Connor, Coop, Daryl, Denise, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Elizabeth, Evan, Habak, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Jay, Jane, Jeremy, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Katie, Keegan, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Leanne, Blight, Lonnie, Mark, Maya, Michael, Michelle, Noah, Nori, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, C.A. Kraken, Sean B., Sean O, Sergey, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Hasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Wendy, Strife, and Zane. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.